0: Chapter Nine of No Quarter This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. No Quarter by Thomas Maine Reed, Chapter Nine a right royal epistle the girls had got home hard breathing panting from the haste they had made but though supper was announced as set they did not think of sitting down to it but instead entered withdrawing room a large apartment with windows facing front in the bay of one of these their dresses unchanged and their hoods still on, they took stand, with eyes bent down the avenue, all visible from the window. At intervals along the road, they had heard behind them the trampling of hoofs and knew what horses it proceeded. The sounds, at first faint and distant, had grown more distinct as they reached the park gate and they had come up the avenue with a run to the surprise and somewhat alarm of their father who at the time was outside awaiting their return already in wonder at their being so late he would have inquired into the cause but they anticipated him by at once telling him where they had been what scene, and who as they supposed was advancing along the rowdian road this last bit of intelligence seemed greatly to excite him and while his daughters watched from the window he himself was also keeping vigil in the porch outside after hearing what they had to say he had remained there letting them pass in for a time the gaze of all was fixed on the park entrance at the lower end of the long avenue where a massive oak gate traversed between two piers of mason work old and ivy mantled only for a short while were they kept in suspense the flurried girls had barely got back their breath when a gray horse was seen with head jammed up against the gate his rider bending down in the saddle to undo its fastenings in an instant after it was pushed open and they saw reginald trevor come riding on towards the house for they were now sure of its being he he was yet at too great a distance for them to read the expression upon his face but one near enough might have noted it as strange without being able to interpret it all the more because of its seeming to undergo constant and sudden changes now as one advancing reluctantly to the performance of some disagreeable duty wavering and seeming half inclined to back out of it anon with resolution restored through some opposing impulse as anger this shone by the fire flashing in his eyes never had he ridden up that avenue swayed by such feelings or under the excitement of emotions so varied or vivid Those he had hitherto felt while approaching Hollymead House were of a different nature, confident always, or, if doubting, not enough to give him any great uneasiness. Vega Powell resisted him. She a green country girl, he a skilled practised lothario, conqueror in many a love combat he could not think of failure nor would he have thought of it yet believing the sole obstruction to his suit lay in the father but now he had to face that father in a way likely to make his hostility more determined turn it into very hate if it was not so already in truth a role of a very disagreeable kind was reginald trevor called upon to play and more than once since entertaining on it he had felt like cursing sir john wintour in his heart the king as well as he drew near the house and saw the two fair faces in the window a little surprise, seeing hoods over their heads at that hour, he more than ever realized the awkwardness of his errand, and possibly, if at that last moment Vega Powell had come forth as oft before to give him greeting or even bestowed a smile from where she stood, he would have risked all forgiven the insult he had received and left his duty undone, but no smile showed upon the girl's face, no glance gave him welcome, instead he saw something like a frown, as never before, only with a glimpse of that face was he favored, Vega as he drew up in front, turning her back on him, and retiring into the shadowed obscurity of the room whither her sister had preceded her it may have been only a seeming rudeness on their part and unintentional whether or no it once more roused his resentment against their father who still in the porch received him with a countenance stern as his own was vexed and angry there was a short interval of silence after the unexpected visitor had drawn up still keeping to his saddle he could not well dismount without receiving invitation and that was not extended to him much less a word of welcome moreover his presence there after what had passed not only called for explanation, but by all the rules of politeness required his giving it before all else should be said. He did not, however, seeming embarrassed and leaving the master of Hollybead no choice but to take the initiative, which the latter at length did, saying sourly and somewhat satirically, What may you be wanting with me, Mr. Reginald Trevor? I take it your business is with me. With you it is, brusquely returned the other, still further nettle at the way he was addressed. Have the goodness, then, to tell me what it is. I suppose it's something that can be settled by you in the saddle. If not, you may alight and come indoors speech aggravating terribly insulting as ambrose powell indebted it should be he had long ago taken the measure of the man and wished to drive him to a distance even further off than he had already done his last words were enough without the contemptuous look that accompanied them but stung by both the emissary of sir john Winter stood proudly up in his syrups as he replied with a touch of satire to no need sir to enter your very hospitable house or even get off my horse's back my errand can be accomplished by delivering this at your door but as you chance to be in it permit me to hand it direct to you while speaking he had drawn from under the breast of his doublet a folded sheet a letter on which was a large disk of red wax stamped with the king's seal the master of Holymead was not so impolite as to refuse taking the letter from his hands and as soon as in his own he tore it open and read for ambrose powell gentlemen trustee and well-beloved we greet you well having observed in the precedence and custom of former times that all the kings and queens of the realm upon extraordinary occasions have used either to resort to those contributions which arise from one generality of subjects or to the private helps of some well-affected in particular by way of loan in which latter course we being at this time enforced to proceed for supply of some portions of treasure for diverse public services and particularly for continuing and increasing our magazines in some large proportion in our realm of ireland in our navy and in our forts in all which great sums have been expended of late both in building and repairing and in making sundry provisions than have been in twenty years before we have now in our eye an especial care that such discretion may be observed in the choice of the lenders, and such an indifferent distribution as the sums that we shall receive may be raised with an equal consideration of men's abilities, and therefore, seeing men have had so good experience of our repayment of all those sums which we have ever required in this kind, We doubt not, but we shall now receive the light argument of good affection from you, amongst other of our subjects, and that which alacrity and readiness, as may make the same so much the more acceptable, especially seeing we require but that of some which few men would deny a friend, and have a mind resolved to expose all our earthly fortune for the preservation of the general the sum that we require of you by virtue of these presents is three thousand pounds which we do promise in the name of us our heirs and successors to repay to you or your assigns within eighteen months after the payment thereof unto the commissioner the person that we have appointed to receive it is our worthy servant sir john winter to whose hands we do require you to send it within twelve days after you have received this privy seal which together with the commissioner's acquittance shall be sufficient warrant unto the officers of our receipt for the repayment thereof at the time limited given under our privy seal at our palace of westminster Carlos rex so ran the curious communication put into the hands of ambrose powell a letter of loan by privy seal even more excrable both as to grammar and diction than the documents imitating from the royalty at the present day and that is admitting much. Spoke the master of Hollymead after pursuing it. Request for a loan, the king calls this beggarly enough in the beginning, a very whine, but at the end more like the demand of a robber. Mr. Powell cried he who had presented it, his back now up in anger though but the messenger of sir john winter at the same time i am in the, the service of the king and holding his majesty's commission i cannot allow such talk as yours it's almost the same as calling the king a robber take it as all the same if you like sirrah and apply it also to sir john winter your more immediate master go back and say to both how i have treated the begging petition thus and at the word he tore the paper into scraps flinging them at his feet as something to be trampled upon at this reginald trevor became furious all the more from again seeing two feminine faces in the window above, by their looks, both seeming to speak approval of what their father had said and done. He might have given expression of his anger by some act of violence, but just then he saw something else which prompted to prudence, effectually restraining it this something in the shape of three or four stalwart fellows stablemen and servants of other sorts belonging to hollymead house who having caught sound of the fracas in front now appeared coming round from the rear no need for reginald trevor noting the scowl upon their faces to tell him they were foes and as little to convince him of a small chance he and his varlet would have in an encounter with them. He neither thought of it, nor any longer felt inclined to take vengeful action, not even to speaking some strong words of menace that had risen in his lips. Instead, choking them down, and swallowing his chagrin, as best he could he said in a resigned humble way oh well mr Powell, what you've done or intend doing is no affair of mine specially as you know i'm here but in the performance of my duty which i need not tell you is to me most disagreeable Very disagreeable, no doubt, rejoined the master of Hollymead, in a tone of cutting sarcasm. And being so, the sooner you get through with it, the better. I think you've made a finish of it now, unless you deem it part of this disagreeable duty to gather up those torn scraps of the king's letter, and carry them back to the queen's obsequious servant. AND YOUR MASTER, SIR JOHN. IN THE WAY OF INSULT, TAUNT COULD SCARCE GO FARTHER, AND HE, AGAINST WHOM IT WAS HURLED, KEENLY FELT IT, AT THE SAME TIME FELT HIS OWN IMPOTENCE, EITHER TO RESENT OR REPLY TO IT. FOR THE THREE OR FOUR FELLOWS, WITH BLACK BROWS, ADVANCING FROM THE REAR, HAD BEEN FURTHER REINFORCED, "'and now numbered nearly a dozen. "'I bid you good evening, Mr. Powell," said the emissary, "'as he turned his horse round, "'but too glad to get away from that unpleasant spot. "'Oh, good evening, sir,' returned the master of Holymead "'in a tone of mock politeness, "'after which he stood watching the ill-received visitor.' till he saw him go out through the gates of his park. Then, over Ambrose Powell's face, came a shadow, the shadow of fear, for he knew he had offended a royal tyrant, who, though now weaker than he had been through the restraint of a parliament, might still have strength enough to tear him, my dear children, he said, as he joined them in the withdrawing room, the trouble I've been long anticipating has come at last. We will have to leave Holymead, or I must fortify and defend it. End of chapter 9